listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. This is the final Sunday before the season of Lent begins. We've just read the story of the transfiguration from the Gospel according to Luke. Now this particular story has migrated around the lectionary a bit. In Anglican circles, it has been customary to observe the Feast of the Transfiguration on August 6th. But the story was also appointed to be read on the second Sunday of Lent. In Lutheran circles, the tradition has been to observe this last Sunday before Lent begins as Transfiguration Sunday. And so as the connections between Anglicans and Lutherans, Anglican Church of Canada, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada, strengthened, we began to follow the Lutheran pattern. Now, I tell you this to make a point. Tradition is not a fixed thing. There is flex and change and movement in the tradition, or at least there should be because otherwise we get stuck in the but-we've-always-done-it-that-way kind of traditionalism. Telling this story on this particular night actually makes a good deal of sense. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is right at this point that Jesus begins to speak openly about his own coming death. It's at this point that he sets his face toward Jerusalem, as Luke will write. It's also this moment of revelation for these three disciples who finally begin to get it as they share this experience. I mean, after boldly, yet rather blindly, stumbling around behind Jesus for chapter after chapter, Peter, James, and John have this glimpse of who and what Jesus truly is. They go up the mountain with him. They see in his face something they've never seen before, filled with light. Suddenly he stands in the company of Moses, symbolizing the law, and Elijah, symbolizing the prophets. They see him, in other words, in full harmony with the ancient tradition, not breaking it down or dismantling it or dismissing it, but fulfilling it as part of it. And you watch Peter dance around trying to figure out what he should do. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, for he did not know what he was talking about. That's what the text says. Then the scene transforms. A cloud covers the top of the mountain. A voice proclaims, This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And then it's over. It's kind of a shared mystical experience. And it ends as suddenly as it begins. Back down the mountain they go, doing their best to listen to him. But as you well know, they'll still fumble around an awful lot before they finally get it right. I suppose that for us, as we begin to move into the wilderness season of Lent, the challenge is also to glimpse this image of glory 
and then in our own stumbling ways to listen to him. So let me talk to you about Lent this season we're about to enter into, what it means and what you might do with it. Lent is, as I've said in past years, an invitation to move voluntarily into desert and wilderness terrain and to do so for 40 days. The 40 days are meant to echo the 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness right before he went public in his ministry. And those 40 days actually themselves echo the 40 years that the freed Hebrew slaves spend in the Sinai desert. Now when Jesus goes into the wilderness, he goes very much on his own. And it is a time of intense prayer and fasting. Whatever you and I might do with this season, it's bound to be a rather pale echo of that intensity, right? I mean, life goes on. There's work that needs to be done. There's studies to be attended to. There's a huge term paper that's got to get finished. There's kids to be cared for, driven all around all the activities. There's dogs to be walked. The day-to-day, including both the very mundane and those great life-giving things, well, it all just needs to keep happening. And then you come back on Sunday evening and you open up the menu and you see this desert-themed liturgy card and, oh, right, it's Lent. The music will feel different. We won't sing or say the word Alleluia again until Easter. The liturgical text will have more of a confessional and, and sort of self-examination sort of tone to them. But then it's Monday morning. And we're back to the day-to-day, which is why the practice of adopting some sort of Lenten discipline can be really significant. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, this Wednesday night, and the liturgy for Ash Wednesday sets out the traditional practices, self-examination, penitence, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and reading and meditating on the Word of God, well, it all sounds very doer and serious, doesn't it? I mean, the bar seems to get raised awfully high. There must be somebody somewhere who does all of those sort of things. Monks, perhaps. As for me, I mean, there's that huge term paper to finish, or there's tickets to a great concert, or spring breaks coming, and there's a ski trip. Well, all the more reason to embed some kind of a Lenten practice into the season. You can choose to do the sort of the traditional thing. Remember, tradition moves and morphs. The traditional thing of giving something up, to fast from something, be it coffee, red meat, dairy, dessert. Why would I do that, you ask? Well, for one thing, in the Bible, fasting and prayer simply are linked. They just are. But there's also something in doing a daily fast like that, a simple fast, that will remind you that you're in a different season. So every time your stomach grumbles for the red meat you decided you'd give up, or your taste buds are positively popping for dark chocolate... 
Well, you remember. You're mindful in your body. People have fasted from Facebook, television, shopping at the mall, or ordering online from Amazon those things that you decide at two in the morning you positively need. Norman Dick, as I was coming down the aisle, I overheard him saying, I'm going to do what I, I'm going to give up what I always give up in Lent, guilt. <laughs> With considerably more poignancy and insight, though, last year Pope Francis challenged Roman Catholic Christians to give up indifference for Lent, reasoning that Quote, whenever our interior life becomes caught up in its own interests and concerns, there is no longer room for others, no place for the poor. So give up indifference. Isn't that worth thinking about? You can also take something on. The Ash Wednesday liturgy refers to reading and meditating on the Word of God. And for many people, some additional practice of daily scripture reading might well be the thing. Or maybe you pick up one of those books of daily reflections for the season. In fact, there are some little booklets on the, the book table tonight, a collection that includes readings from Henri Nouwen and C.S. Lewis, alternating day by day. A whole dollar fifty. you can buy one of those. The challenge, though, is once you buy it, to actually use it. The year I turned 50, I decided that I would write letters for Lent. I would identify some of the people who'd really shaped me and formed me, mentors, a couple of my high school teachers, a few friends. And over the season, I wrote a total of nine letters to those people, printing them off, putting them in an envelope with a stamp. This was not email stuff dropping them in the mailbox. It was for me a powerful exploration and expression of my contingency, of this strong sense that I had not made myself. I have needed you, I basically said to these people. You are part of what I am now. Thank you. The Ash Wednesday liturgy also refers to almsgiving which is different from ordinary Sunday offerings or charitable givings. Almsgiving has to do with recognizing a very particular need and then day by day setting aside a bit of money to help meet that particular need. Now, Emily's going to talk about this after service, but our refugee fund sponsorship team has made up some alms jars for people to use this year. You place it somewhere visible in your home, maybe on the dining room table. Commit to putting in a little bit every day. There's also something to be drawn out every day in this model. If you're involving children in it, maybe it's a dime or a quarter. Maybe you forego that second cup of coffee and put in two or three dollars you've just saved. Whatever you do, it is a simple daily practice that you can adopt. Maybe one practice that helps to push aside indifference. Whatever you do, remember that the 40 days are always interrupted by the Sundays, the six Sundays that come within the period. Sundays have always been resurrection days, so they're never fast days. They're always little Easter's. 
Warning, don't turn Sunday into a binge day, though. I mean, I, I imagine all of these people coming to church with their stomachs bloated from all the chocolate that they ate, or their eyes glazed over from having spent the last 10 hours in front of a screen. But it is a day to relax the discipline and then to come and break bread before the week begins. And as I've said in other years, it may be that your life is already in a kind of wilderness, in a desert, and it doesn't end just because Easter comes. Maybe that you're already experiencing too much in your life as dry or arid or simply tough. So maybe this year that's more than enough. Just know that others in your church community are testing the desert through these Lenten disciplines, that in a way others are looking to come alongside of you in your wilderness. I want to close by offering you a poem that I think is brilliant for the season. It's written by Malcolm Geit. It's not yet published. It will come out in a new collection this spring. It's about the deep winter. So maybe today, with that deep winter out there, it's doubly poignant. And the promise of spring. But it's also about Lent and the promise of Easter. It's about death and resurrection, desert and return. The poem is called, Because We Hunkered Down. These bleak and freezing seasons may mean grace when they are memory in time to come. When we speak truth, then they will have their place. Telling the story of our journey home through dark December and stark January with all its disappointments through the murk and dreariness of frozen February when even breathing seemed unwelcome work, because through all of this we held together, because we shunned the impulse to let go, because we hunkered down through our dark weather and trusted to the soil beneath the snow, slowly, slowly turning a cold key, Spring will unlock our hearts and set us free. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the Lord, to observe a holy Lent, knowing that on the other side, spring, Easter, will unlock our hearts and set us free. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.